You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to, what edition is this of uh, Sharing Success? I guess we'll call it the post-Houston uh, and Toronto edition of Sharing Socks. It's also a very high pollen edition. Uh, so if there's sneezing and coughing and blowing noses going on, forgive us for that. And apparently both in Chicago and in Los Angeles. I'm duty geezer Lee Allen in Chicago. I'm with me, my son and West Coast correspondent, Will. And we're both kind of watery-eyed and, and runny-nosed and all those kind of things, which is better than the health condition of most of the White Sox, as best we can figure out right now. But the Sox did come out. We had both predicted three and three and said, that's fine uh, for the Houston and Toronto series. And we were right, thanks to Doug Eddings. And I had to slip Doug a, a few <laughs> extra bucks uh, to throw one game to the White Sox so we could get that. But it worked out well. Yeah, I think, um, well, first off, I'm going to applaud us again for both being correct. I had, I had predicted a, a three and three. I had actually predicted an 0 and three against Houston and a three and 0 against Toronto. Um, in reality, we probably should have been one and five. We tried to throw away, uh, two of those wins. The only really solid, impressive win we had was against Justin Verlander. Which is, which of all the six, that's the one I would have said, we got no chance there. That's the one not, I would have said, no chance. <laughs> not would have said. You said it last week on this podcast. You're like, we're okay. definitely losing that one, uh, which I agreed completely. Uh, I mean, we just, I, I don't know what was in our bloodstream that day, but we just shelled Justin Verlander and, and we got his ERA from, you know, 1.25 all the way up to probably 
1.35 or something crazy like that. Uh, it's almost yeah, a quarter of Lucas Giolito's now. Yeah. Uh, so it ended up being yeah, a pretty good week. I mean, as we said, we would be happy with three and three. So we have to pretend to be happy this week. Uh, that's only fair to keep our word. I do think that, and, and you'll definitely talk about this a, a little bit more in a second, uh, we tried to give away both wins against Toronto, uh, specifically yesterday's, if you want to talk a little bit about that. Well, we're, we're, we're recording this on uh, Thursday before the Orioles series starts, which I think we can predict wins there, a lot of them. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so it wasn't yesterday, it was, the, it was the day before was the 12-inning one. Uh, yesterday was the slaughter. Right. Um, right. Which almost to come back in that one, but um, yeah, and, and the officiating graded out to the worst officiating of any game in the major leagues this year, with a two-plus run advantage to the White Sox. But you're going to lose one at some point due to the officiating, so take take one while ye may and, and enjoy it. I mean, we we have definitely yeah. lost some because of. I mean, no game is decided by an umpire really, but. Uh, if we're going to allow that mindset, we've definitely lost at least one from just truly. There was one where, you know, the strike zone when we were batting, I, I forget who we were playing, might have been Boston, uh, was just I, I, a strike zone I've never seen before. And actually, there was quite a bit of that in the Toronto series as well. Oh. Uh, when well, the last game. Now, I, I would I would say Wednesday's game. I covered Wednesday's game, so I was paying very close attention. That was very well called. Yeah, yeah. When there were a couple errors, there always will be a couple, but it was very well called. Uh, yeah, much better than the what, uh, what happened on Tuesday. Than the one where Lance Lynn had to chew his own baseball glove to keep himself from from yeah. screaming at the umpire when he threw a fastball down the middle that was called a ball. Uh, that was probably the worst in, in terms of strike called ball. That's the worst one I've seen this year. And I do love watching compilations of the past of fastballs down the middle called balls. If if you haven't YouTubed that, do yourself a favor because it will blow your mind. Uh, but that was one that was particularly egregious, I think. And that wasn't even a case. You, you, you get those. It's usually because the catcher had to go leaping in front of the ump to get to the ball because it was so far from the placement of not the case. Hit the mitt. Hit the mitt. (laughs) Just like a a gnat flew into his eye at the time of the pitch. Who knows? Yeah, that, that one was, was really troubling. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we, we did everything we could to throw away those first two games. We, you know, won both of them by one run yesterday. We had a slightly better chance to come back. Although, uh, we sent Lurie Garcia to the plate with the bases loaded uh, in our true attempt to to come back there, which tells you that we weren't actually trying to win the game uh, or or complete our comeback. I think that could just be because every single player on the team is hurt. Well, um, and, and we need to get to that. Now, I don't think Lucas Giolito is necessarily a hurt, although there is something obviously seriously wrong with him. That's five games in a row now where he's been awful. And and he got hit, I mean, seven runs and 11 hits on, on Wednesday. It wasn't that good. Everything yeah, 
was being smashed out of there. Now, either, and it, if he is tipping, it can't just be that because his, his uh, velocity is way down. His location is not. I mean, he used to have that high fastball would be right, you know, two inches top of the zone, but you better swing at it kind of thing. And the changeup would be breaking just, just, of course, Ronda doesn't have any left-handed batters, so, or barely any. So it, it, the changeup wasn't a huge weapon factor, but it was no factor against Houston, which which does. He had one swinging strike on the changeup in Houston. He had five of them uh, against Toronto. But, um, yeah, but for the position players, Mike, does this team ever study fundamentals? If the, the, I think there's a bigger reason than all the other things why the Hall of Famer baseball person has got to just go is that they don't play fundamental baseball. Isn't that what he's supposed to be about? His they team don't is even always seem, prepared. I'm, I'm going to give a quick shout out to my softball guys who listen to this podcast. I'm on a very, very mediocre isn't even the word when you're on five. Uh, very lackluster softball team right now, but really great guys. They virtually never call the ball when a ball's hit in the air. It, it, it's pretty rare. Uh, however, they do it seemingly more than the Chicago White Sox do, which is crazy to me. I, I mean, we've got guys colliding or near colliding on it seems like virtually every pop-up that's hit. Uh, what is going on? I mean, this is this is little league stuff, and and at least on my softball team, when guys don't do it, they come into the dugout saying, "Oh, I didn't do it. I should have done it." I, I get the feeling that nobody's even being told on the White Sox, you know, yeah, to call. You know, the, ball. the danger we always thought of the danger is Aloy. Well, Aloy's not there. He's not responsible for any of this. And then Vaughn has been, uh, particularly early this year, responsible for a lot. Again, converting your first baseman to an outfielder, not something you really want to do. But I would think he has a voice and he can yell. And it happened with multiple infielders coming out. So I don't think it was an individual infielder was not listening. He damn near killed Josh Harrison when I remember where Harrison did this beautiful leap over him and rolled and somehow didn't get hurt. Um, But it's not just I would would not not want to be an infielder. is an outfielder. Oh, was he, man, not, was he not calling it? Was Danny Mendick not listening? There were hardly anybody in the stand, so it's not like the crowd noise was so strong you couldn't hear through it. Um, and it was a foul ball, so there really wasn't any crowd noise. Um, right. And, then, and they were smashing in each and It was lucky it wasn't a three-way. Jake Berger was two steps away and suddenly pulled out. He'd come in there. He probably would have crushed both of them. Um, it, it's crazy. It's nuts that this team has, and you know that's on top of the unharmful, physically harmful things like never hitting a cutoff man or a relay man or knowing which base to throw to. Um, it's there's no training of this team. It's insane. And, I, I honestly can't remember the last time I saw a team, a, a defense that is this lost fundamentally, and I mean. These guys are in the major leagues. They didn't skip the fundamentals. You know, at some point, a coach taught them these things. And I would like to think many coaches along the way taught them these things. Where? What's going on? Are they too cool for school? Are they too cool to call a ball? I mean, I, I, I don't understand how they are messing up this 
much in terms of, of just pure fundamentals and defense. Our defense is laughably terrible. I mean, just absolutely abysmal. Worse than the majors, and every day seems to be getting even worse. And and then you add in the fact that a guy, every, everyone on the team breathes and they end up on the injured list. I, I mean, what is going on with that? Do we have no training whatsoever? It, it, every it's, single person is hurt. The, the hamstrings is the huge thing, or the groin pulls, which are kind of a related sort of problem. Uh, it's one thing. You get hit by a pitch. Nothing you can do about that. Maybe it, you know, bruises your hand, it swells your hand, you fell a ball off your foot. Nothing you can do about that. It's just an accident. Even if you hit first base wrong, you should hit it right, but very understandable. You just happen to clip the edge of the bag, you twist your ankle. Very, very common injuries in any any level of the sport, any place. Being unable to run to first base is unreal. There are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people playing baseball and softball in this country all summer from little kids to people my age. Yes, some of them are just loafing down to first in their softball games. And some are running as hard as they can run. And some of them can run pretty damn hard. You've had teammates who are really fast. I mean, you, you used to be fast before you lost a couple steps. But, but, but Oh, okay. Hold on. Should we take our no, as far as I know, you're still, but you, and you, you played no, you're against, right. you're right. I've lost you, a step. You've played against with and against guys who, if they hit a grounder in the infield, you damn well better make an absolute clean throw and get rid of it as fast as you possibly can. And they still might beat it. So they are hustling like crazy. And I have never seen one, never heard of one pulling up lame going to first base. And yet, for the White Sox, it's just a habit. It's every play. It's every freaking play. We are the easiest team to turn double plays on in the history of baseball. It is absolutely absurd how slow our entire team is right now getting to first base. And I realize I'm exaggerating by maybe one or one and a half guys when I say our entire team, but I'm not exaggerating by more than that. It is so freaking easy to throw the Chicago White well, Sox got, out on the bases. Three really fast guys. Luis, obviously, number one. Angle, number two. Tim, number three. All of them are now hurt. All of them. one degree or another. All of them. And and they're not hurt uh, from from the types of injuries you were talking about before. They're hurt from running to first. And, and, and by and the way, they seem to very... always be jogging. So I also don't understand. We're not even seeing them hustle and get hurt. We're seeing them loaf and get hurt. Is nobody stretching a leg on this freaking team? It's it's unbelievable. And then you've got someone like Andrew Vaughn, who seems to run with eight pianos on his back. There is no reason for him to be as slow as he is. A double play yesterday where Chapman threw him out, that was not a double play ball. I realize Chapman is a great third baseman. Well, I, yeah, we, we should take a moment of that. You know, we don't normally acknowledge opposing players, but my God, it is fun to watch, even if it's beating your team, to watch Matt Chapman play third base. That is, he is Brooks Robinson come back to life. He is absolutely amazing. 
But he is. He's, he's, he's an excellent third baseman. I'm not taking away anything from Matt Chapman's abilities. But the double play Vaughn hit into on that chopper where, where Chapman turned the double play, that's not a double play ball. That's insane. How freaking slow can you be, especially on a play like that where you have about a 90% chance of being safe if you just run hard? All we do, it's loaf, 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 loaf. And then they're hurt because they're loafing. So then the one time they have to kick it into gear, they get injured. It's so unbelievably pathetic. And I don't know if it's an attitude thing. And and surprisingly, though, the caught stealing rate of the Sox is amazing. It's like a 90% success. 34. And and it's all three. And it's essentially all three guys. It's it's Luis and Adam and Tim. But they don't get hurt on those. They uh, Brian Buxton tries to steal a base and get hurt half the time. Our guys don't get hurt stealing ever. They do that great. Yeah, it's like if they focus and actually try to play the game of baseball, they don't get hurt. Uh, but then they spend 90% of their time loafing and, and just making sure they look cool going to first. And that is, it's not player specific. It's all the guys on this team. I mean, we've got guys who who should be fighting for their lives to stay in Major League Baseball. I mean, we with these injuries, we are continuously putting five AAA players on the team, on, on the field. These guys should be as fundamentally sound as you can possibly be. There is no reason. I, I love Josh Harrison. No reason he should be starting on a Major League team. Danny Mendick, he's sort of proving us wrong from time to time. Not a Major League starter, really. Uh, Hazley, of course not, not even close. How are these guys bad at fundamental baseball? How are they playing in in the majors? This is insane. It's it's absolutely pathetic. We should take our break uh, right now, but let's come back. We'll keep talking about this. I think we need to talk about the, the pitching staff a little bit more, especially Giolito and what's to be done about that. Uh, but let's take a quick break here, and we will be right back on Sharing Socks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. Uh, this is our special spring or early summer allergy edition. Uh, we are both either allergic to all the pollen in the air, which I can hear someone weed whacking right outside of the, the studio here. So maybe they're going to help us with that. Um, or we are allergic to terrible coaching and baseball, which is what we are uh, witnessing every day watching the White Sox play right now. Um, but let's, let's actually move on injuries. Obviously we can talk about them forever. Let's talk about Giolito in a little more depth here. We've, we've seen him now, uh, against Houston and against Toronto and it's, it's just not there anymore. And, and it could be injury, but we're not seeing any signs, any technical signs of injury. You mentioned, you know, I, the- I wrote a, a note that. I think because this started in Toronto, the, the first series with Toronto, they started going way down there. Now, another thing is COVID 
He had COVID, came back from COVID. He has been like Mokanda has been back from COVID. Same kind of thing. No legs. Uh, also, the other thing is with, with Lucas is he really bulked up and gained more muscle. I really think a lot of these guys have too much muscle. I think that's part of the problem. That's a, that's a question that I've seen professional. I, I know nothing, but I've seen professionals raise that question in general. Are baseball players too bulked up? And it's a danger. But at any rate, with, with Lucas, I think on the way up to Toronto on the plane, didn't have anything to do. So he was just watching some video that he had recorded of, of TV coverage of old games. And he saw that commercial where that god-awful commercial where they go, 2018, he was the worst pitcher in baseball. But now this dude is an all-star. And he was so ashamed that he had lent his name to that piece of crap that he just just had no will to play baseball anymore. But I have to say you're wrong because that commercial started airing in the 2020 season, and Lucas Giolito actually pitched some of his best baseball of his career while that commercial was running on virtually every break. I don't know why he would be sitting around watching old commercials that, that talk about him. Maybe he needs to motivate uh, so I, I don't think I'm with you. I don't think you can blame the commercial. The commercial actually uh, lit a little fire under the, the Giolito tush, uh, which I agree is probably a little too bulky and, and muscled up at this point. Um, I think you, you have an interesting point about COVID. You know, most people think pitching is arms and pitching is like 90% legs, especially when you go to the Ethan Cott School of Pitching, which is uh, essentially a much shorter, short-armed type of motion, uh, which I'm, I'm not against by any means, but uh, it does require even more from your legs. So if you are not going to be at 100% or close to it in your legs, it is going to really cause a couple things. One, your fastball is going to be slower, which is what we're seeing from him. We're seeing, I think you mentioned before, at least a mile and a half and up to two miles per hour off to the fastball, it's a big difference in Major League Baseball. You know, if you're talking 95 to 93, it is actually a big difference. I realize big leaguers can easily hit 95 as well, but when you're a changeup pitcher, it's a big difference because now your changeup speed is closer to your fastball speed. You want to Although keep the those changeup is down too. Well, yeah, that that's true as well. Not as much. Not nearly as much, but it's down. Doesn't make as much sense, but uh, that's a huge problem. And, and the changeup is just flat out not working. And if he doesn't have the changeup, he's not an ace anymore. I mean, that is his thing. His thing is, as you were saying before, he used to have such amazing command of that high fastball. Yeah, world class. You Who has the best this kind of pitch in baseball? And they would regularly say Lucas Giolito's changeup. Yeah, and and the changeup was so great, too, because he could spot that high fastball so beautifully. And not this thing that White Sox pitchers do now where they spot uh, 90% of their pitches outside of the zone so that they have to throw 130 pitches in the first three innings. Uh, but he was actually hitting the top of the zone with that high fastball or an inch above it, which is as good as a strike, really. And... Now, if he throws it, he's either throwing meat and potatoes, he's throwing it way too yeah, far. It's, in the it's zone, not getting up. It's, it's or more often getting he's down. He's throwing into it the zone a foot up. Hit. 
Exactly. Yeah. More often than not, it's it's you know the the fastball to it was a three zero count to to Kirk, but you know the that fastball that Kirk hit out of the park. Why was that a hundred percent directly down the middle of the plate, even on a three zero count? You know he knows it's coming. He's gonna swing at it. You and can't Toronto's put, famous for swinging at three O's. Almost exactly. the whole team does. And and Kirk is, you know, one of the biggest, most pleasant surprises in all of baseball uh, in, in terms of both bat and, and kind of defense, too, because he's shaped like a potato, but he's really good at baseball. And why would you ever throw him that pitch? That is an absolute missed location. And if you can't spot that fastball even relatively well, the changeup doesn't matter anymore. I mean, it, it's all about command, and our pitchers – you know, we saw from from Dylan Cease a couple days ago just unbelievable command for three innings. Uh, yeah, let's go. Let's go to the to the plus side of the pitching. Uh, Dylan has been terrific. He has career wise really struggled against good teams and totally dominated bad ones. Obviously, he was pitching against a very good team and completely dominated them. I mean, he. Now, this problem has always been something goes wrong and mentally, suddenly he's not hitting spots anymore. Nothing went wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, it was just six innings of beauty. But so, but well, that's and honestly, it, it stretches past Dylan. I mean, it, it's this it's this terrible, again, efficiency thing we're talking about. Giolito pitching pretty well. Then all of a sudden starts throwing 3-0 counts on everyone for no freaking reason whatsoever except you're scared to challenge batters. Cease, a couple days ago, was not afraid to challenge anybody. And that is why he had such a great game. He went after batters. He didn't dance around the zone so that he was going 3-0, 3-1 on everyone, and then you have to just lay it down the middle every time. He was painting, you know, the strike zone's actually pretty big. There's a lot of it to use. And there's a lot of places you can throw the ball within the strike zone that's hard to hit even for a Major League Baseball player. The White Sox just stopped using that mentality whatsoever. We did see Cease, he is is starting to capture that mentality again. And, I mean, you're right. He does, he falls apart. I think think Kopech has it. Yeah, well, almost, almost all the time. Yeah, and, Kopech and, often and actually, does. most of the starting pitching, uh, Kopech has been mainly terrific. I think he had one bad outing, but he, he's been very sharp. Johnny Cueto has been a revelation. <laughs> he's awesome, and he's a guy who can mess around with the corners and the edges because he's been doing it for a hundred years. Everyone should be able to do it. You are a major league baseball pitcher being paid millions of dollars. Honestly, you should never. Uh, it drives me insane. I'm 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 getting riled up. You should Lance, never Lance, throw more Lance, than two I balls think, to anyone ever. I think a last book is is just out. He hasn't been back from from injuries from the yeah. knee problems long enough to uh, for anybody to know whether he's going to be fully recovered or or not. And and his old self. But How yeah, we can't get past some pretty good starting pitching. Yet yeah, the ERA, the team ERA. And part of this, you know, Dallas Keuchel elevated it, and those numbers carried forward. Ben Souza owns 
Dennis too, because I don't know, 143. <laughs> the team ERA is 21st in the majors. Wow. Well, to be fair, our bullpen sucks. And, uh, you know, uh, our starters, we have some good starts. As you said, Cueto's been incredible. I hope he starts to seep into the brains of other people that says it's okay to make it to the seventh inning. It's okay. We will still be here for you in the seventh uh, if you if you can make it there. He threw 93 pitches through seven beautiful innings the other day. Uh, that is a number that I, I didn't think could even exist on this team three He's months ago. Averaging over 18. My goodness. Despite having that really one because I don't think he was anywhere close. I, I didn't count his pitches on his last outing, but I, I think he was way below his 18. But he, even when he's really, really good, it takes him a long time to get through an inning. It really does. And and this last outing, especially early in the game, was the best we've seen him do in terms of uh, getting through because he, he does strike out a lot of guys. He struck out five of the first six batters. Uh, in his last start, you are going to use a few more pitches. But the nice thing is he was striking out five out of six batters while uh, while throwing up 13, 14 pitches an inning. Well, 13, 14 pitches an inning is okay if you're striking guys out. It's the problem is it's, that... Oh, well, it's perfect if you're striking guys out. The, 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 the best average in the majors is slight, for a starter. It's slightly... It's, it's around 14. Yeah, and that's incredible. If you're under 15, you are excellent. And under 15 and, means once you into the season enough to get into the low hundreds, you're going seven innings. Every time, yeah. And and that's exactly what you should be doing when you're a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. We got guys who are consistently throwing 20, 25. I mean, Giolito, there was a point yesterday until he got a convenient double play where it looked like he was going to be around the 70 mark after three. And he ended up finishing the third inning, I think, or in the high 50s. But that's terrible. <laughs> I mean, that's terrible. Well, look, Especially- I can tell you, I've got, got, he threw, he got through the first inning on 20 because of the double play. 39, got 55 pitches in three. And that was before he had the really bad inning. I mean, he had 84 for four. Yeah, I mean, that's that's unbelievably terrible. Uh, I hope Cueto rubs off on people. I mean, we can only hope that his style of pitching and play will, will rub off on them because, you know, the whole bulking up to throw the get all the gas you can on every pitch isn't the only way to win Major League Baseball games, especially if you're a starting pitcher. It makes no sense to pitch that way when you're a starter. Your whole job is to eat innings without giving up a lot of runs. And if you can't eat innings as a starter, you're useless to me. You belong in the bullpen. If, you, if you're going to throw 80 pitches through four innings, you're not a starter. You need to be, if you're 85 through four innings, you're not a starter. You need to be in the bullpen and figure out what your life's going to be out there. Our bullpen has been... As hot and cold as a bullpen can possibly yeah, be. I mean, we've got a couple guys who have been very good, and we've got a couple guys who have been very, very, very bad, and they sometimes swap for a day. I was um, going to say, Tanner Banks was brilliant on, on Wednesday, and he's had recent games where he couldn't get anybody out. 
he had no prayer of getting anybody up, which is why he went to the miners. He came back. I think somebody did something with him in the miners because he's been pretty good since he came back the last time. Uh, but yeah, Foster, uh, Foster started there. There was a point where, you know, Matt Foster was like, oh, he's finally the guy we thought he'd be. He's got an ERA around two. He's looking almost unhittable. And I, I, you have, you might have the numbers right there in front of you. I, I, I don't have it. Well, well, but his, <laughs> his ERA is up over five now, I think. And, you know, a, a, a reliever with an ERA over five is, you might as well not pitch. You know, that's, that's uh, just absurd. Um, you know, Hendricks is yeah, 5.46. Five, 5. Ruiz yeah. is 4.97. And ERA is not hugely meaningful for relievers because strand rate, which is not an easy figure to come up with immediately looking over here, is, is so important. Uh, but yeah, I mean, some of these, some of these numbers are just awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I- I mean, I, I get what you're saying about ERA, and I, I agree. But once you start getting around five, yeah, uh, Joe I, Kelly's I think pushing that goes 10. Away. So, uh, Joe Kelly, who, you know, occasionally looks like he's sort of figured it out and then immediately reverts back to, to being a mess. Um, I, I'm not sure what we're going to do. And then we had this weird thing where Tony insisted on throwing Bennett Sousa virtually every day. You know, he was putting him out there at a time when Sousa's last four outings, he had had an ERA over 25. And we're still seeing Bennett Sousa in now, close games. Before we badmouth all of these relievers, they are all doing better than Josh Harrison's 18.0. Right. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, well, we should, we should because I know we're running out of time. Baltimore's coming up. Yes. Uh, we're one game below 500 again. <laughs> Live yep. down there. Just, I think we're going to take three out of four and be one game over 500 when the weekend is over. You said, you can say we shouldn't lose any to Baltimore and we shouldn't. 538 has the Sox at least two to one favorites of every game. And 538, as we know, it tends to go 52% to 48%. Well, the Sox games are going 68% to 32%. But, Something will happen in the game. It's 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 a strange sport, and and something will happen. I think they'll lose one. Uh, I think we will Cleveland. Lose. I think we're going to lose two. But go I ahead. think I think the Indians. And of course, I've said for weeks now. I don't think the Twins are the problem on winning the division. I think it's the no. Indians. Absolutely, uh, it is. They did on, on Wednesday night. They were down five to one. Came back to take a seven five lead. Blew that to be down 10-7 and scored four in the top of the ninth against the Twins to win. That's a team with no hitters, we thought. We thought nobody can hit right. except for the Ramirez. Uh, a lot of pitching, no hitters. Now, suddenly, they've got these young guys. Now, maybe the league hasn't figured them out. We'll figure them out. The young guys won't keep going as well. But they've got young guys hitting very well. Well, they have. Okay, so I think we can now agree that Miles Straw is actually – He's he's going to keep hitting. I think it's even possible that Quan is going to keep hitting. Yeah, I think Quan's for real. Yeah. And then you put Jose Ramirez behind them, who is the anti-White Sox, in that the dude plays every freaking game. He he looks like he should be the guy running the grill at the barbecue. Like he's he's 
He does not look like a, a supreme athlete in any way, yet he's not hurt every single time he tries and to run to first base. And he plays defense. He's, the he's Guardians incredible. have the best defense in baseball. He's an, and, and he's a leader. He leads by example. He leads by hustling. He leads by studying. He leads by playing excellent defense. We don't have anybody like that right now. I mean, Cleveland is absolutely the threat in this division. If I had, if I were a betting man, which I am not, sorry, baseball, I know that's all you really want these days, but I'm not a betting man. But if I was, my money would go to Cleveland to win this division at this point. They're pitching, obviously we know. They they do new pitchers and, and, and pitcher training better than anyone in baseball. And Ramirez, who decided, I'm going to stay in Cleveland, is rewarding Cleveland after they gave him that big deal by being one of the best players in the game. And, I and, think and also they have a new minority owner. I mean, minority in shares, not in... Uh, Sure. Uh, ethics or ethos. Uh, that may mean that they've spent some money at the deadline. It may not, too. I mean, he's not going to control anything, but it may be that he's plunked some money in that they're willing to put in there. The division is open to whoever decides to spend money at the deadline of the of the three teams. Great. Um, so not us. Probably no. Uh, for example, obviously Minnesota is desperate for pitching. If they get Montoya, um, uh, Montas, yeah, Montas. Where am I going with Montoya? Um, Inigo Montoya. Yeah. No, if, if if they get uh, Frankie Montas, then that changes and skews things a lot. The Cleveland, they could go out and pick up somebody to fill a little hole in the in the lineup. Their, their relief pitching is great. I don't know that they have to get into the same. Uh, dip into that same well that everybody else is going in on that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's um, start of the season. I think we both were extremely confident. We're going to win this division. Yeah. We may not be as good as we think we are, but the division is so horrible. We got this one. No problem. All the predictions, whether it's 538 or Pakoda or fan graphs were 95 wins ish. They're all now 84, 85 wins ish. Uh, That's not going to do it. Only one of the three, I think, favors the White Sox to win the division. Almost all have the three of us, the three Twins, Guardians, White Sox, very close. And, yes, the White Sox have by far the easiest uh, schedule in baseball coming up, by far. And they've had the roughest schedule of the three by a pretty far margin so far. But when these folks with their computers make their projections, they know that. Right. They're taking into account this easiest schedule, and they're still predicting a tough time for the White Sox. And it could go down to the wire. Six of the last nine games are against Minnesota, and the other three are in San Diego, which is not picnic time. No, um, San Diego's looking really good. And, I, yeah, I, I don't know where this is going to go. I, it's certainly not looking like it's going to go well. I still believe the White Sox have the most raw talent of any of those teams. Oh, no question. No it's question. It's just nobody is playing to their potential for the most part. I mean, there we see uh, glimpses. I wouldn't say nobody, but yeah. Well, I I would potentially I would say nobody. I mean, it's been a better. Well, I think Tim is, but he's not on the field. But when he's, he's not on the field, is. and 
Yeah, Vaughn he's hitting. is to his potential. I think Vaughn's to his potential. Yes, he, 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 he runs like he's carrying a refrigerator, but that's his potential. He's hitting the daylights out of the ball. He's hitting really well. I mean, he, he is, but, you know, I, I'm still unim- got, completely unimpressed by the lack of fundamentals in the field. We, we've it's got just, at least four, probably five designated hitters playing at any given day. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a huge problem. And the other thing with the Cleveland to get into is their manager is five games a year better than ours, at least. At least. I mean, they've got one of the best, if not the best manager in baseball, and we've got one of the worst. At the moment, at the moment, we have the worst. I mean, to take away our feelings from like the signing of Tony Larusa. We now have enough of a sample size where we can look at decisions being made. And, and he is potentially the worst manager in all of baseball. And for so many reasons, many of which we've covered on this podcast today. It all comes from the top. You know, it all comes from coaching. All comes from the attitude the coach sends. Well, he's he's got a, a terrible attitude, and he's clearly not teaching these guys how to play baseball better or how to play a cohesive game. He's he's a disaster of a manager. He should absolutely be fired. It's unbelievable that anyone could think that this guy could take us to a World Series. He will cost us a trip to the World Series a hundred times before he does anything that can get us to a World Series. But that's enough. We gotta we gotta stop there today. We've run a little over our time. Thanks for uh, listening, and hopefully we will come back with some good news after our games against Baltimore and Cleveland. Um, you got any final words as we well, have the uh, the Angels in there who are ended their fourteen game losing streak. <laughs> The Angels, who I think just one month ago we were on this podcast saying, wow, the Angels have really figured it out. And then they went and angeled everything up. I'm actually going to be at the Angels-White Sox game next Wednesday with another Southside Sox contributor, Bill Mankey. Uh, So I will be able to report. uh, I'll be able to use the old eye test uh that week but uh yeah thanks so much for listening and we will see you next time on sharing side